Well, good morning. So uh, along with that um, servants conference, I, I do want to say that whether you're going or not, please turn in your RSVP and let us know either way. That way um, we have a good idea of what's going on. And um, so this morning, yeah, we have the elements up here as far as communion is concerned. And um, if you're new to Refuge, by the way, we do do things a little differently as far as communion is concerned. When you come up, um, uh, go ahead and take uh, a cracker uh, and just grab the bowl and take a sip. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. What you do is, is you, you dip it in there, and that's why we provide the, uh, the Kleenex there, so you can, you know, if you dipped it a little bit too much, then you can hold that under and go back to your seat. And it's a time, the, the reason why we chose to do it this way is because it, it's, it's a time for you to come up, um, to um, understand um, the, really the symbolism that we have before us of uh, the body of Christ and how it is that he shed his blood on our behalf. And, uh, and so we, we do dip it into the juice and then we go back to our seats and we spend some time with the Lord um, considering those things that perhaps um, you know, have, have not been right before the Lord, confess them to him and um, go to the uh, communion table um, with, uh, with pure hearts and clean hands. And he tells us in his word. And we do not do it in a manner that is um, hypocritical or sometimes we, we have the, the enemy whisper in our ear, oh, you know, everything that you've done up to this point, there's no way that you can partake of communion. Yes, we cannot come to the communion table uh, with a flippant attitude. We can't. Just like going through the motions, we shouldn't do that. Right? We should come up with full consideration for a righteous God and uh, a, a person who is unclean. And, but the Bible does tell us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we know there's none righteous, no, not one. Every one of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And with, with all of that in mind and understanding God's grace... We sincerely come to him, ask him for forgiveness, and he will forgive us of our sins, and we can partake of communion in a worthy manner. And so I would encourage you, as we go through this message this morning, that you would consider um, your condition, perhaps prior to Christ. And even now, you would consider how it is that you have this inclination to fall to the flesh and to the, the whims of the world in the things that are in opposition to the Lord. And anywhere, by the way, between now and at the time that we take communion, you can confess your sins. You can ask, Lord, forgive me. I don't want that to be a distraction. I don't want that to be a barrier between you and I. I confess it to you and just ask, Father, that you would completely wipe that away from me. Take it away and give me the power to walk uprightly before you. And then come. You can come at the end. And partake of communion all together as one family. And celebrating the death of Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. We're going we're gonna to explain all of that here this morning through Matthew chapter 26. And so let's take a moment first of all and read the verses that we're going to be uh, covering this morning. And so turn with me to Matthew chapter 26 beginning in verse 26. So 
Matthew 26, 26. The title of this morning's message is The Celebration of Grace. Communion, The Celebration of Grace. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and, after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And we'll stop there and we'll continue with the rest next week. But for now, that's what we're going to cover. So let's uh, go before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time that we can consider, Lord, uh, of the, the moment in which Lord Jesus Christ was with his disciples and instituted the Last Supper, communion, uh, Lord, uh, of being able to have fellowship with you, uh, Lord, without having to sacrifice over and over, Lord, but looking to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and remembering that it is by the death of Jesus Christ on the cross that there is remission of sin. And so, Father, we ask, Lord, that you help us to search our hearts and that you, your word would cut deeply, reveal anything that is not of you, allow us to confess that to you and and ask, Lord, that you would set us upright before you in Christ, that we would truly live this life soundly before you, blessing you, glorifying you, Lord, with joy in our hearts for the day in which we celebrate in your kingdom for all eternity in all of your glory. And so, Father, we commit this time into your hands, Lord. We ask your blessing, your anointing, your leading, and your teaching, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So again, this morning we're going to be partaking of communion. Communion is the celebration of commemorating the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on our behalf. And there are two key reasons for celebrating the Lord's Supper. One looks backward, and the other one looks forward. First, looking back, we celebrate Jesus' redemptive death. We acknowledge and are thankful for Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross, because it is by His death that we are given the way by which we can be redeemed. And Jesus said... I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, except through Calvary. The death of Christ, with that we look back and celebrate that finished work of Jesus on the cross. Secondly, we look forward. In looking forward, we anticipate Jesus' return with all of His redeemed. After having partaken of the Passover dinner in the upper room, Jesus and His disciples were reclining at table. And having gone through all of what we're going through this morning, and much more, uh, in more detail we can see it in, in the Gospel of John. But after this, 
Um, they sung hymns and praises. It's uh, believed that it's uh, actually the Hallel, which is Psalm 115 through 118. Uh, hymns of songs of praise to the Lord. And after this, they went to the Mount of Olives, where previously, just two days earlier, the disciples had listened to Jesus preach, to teach. They were going back there. I believe that by taking what is referred to in the symbolism of the Last Supper and considering our sin, that it will help us understand Jesus' grace extended toward those who grossly fell short and we fall short. And Jesus knowing this fully, completely, clearly, still willingly went to the cross for a world that was clearly against him. Romans 2.4 says, Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Just know that as, as, we, as we come through and we understand what we have before us and what we have before us in commemorating the death of Christ, how it is that it is His love that took Him to the cross for you and I. You know, yes, of course, it was for the purpose of redeeming us. And it's because of our sin that it was something that He had to do. But at the same time, He didn't have to do it. He could have completely wiped us out and started over. He's God. But He didn't. The consideration of God's amazing love demonstrated in and through the sending of His Son to die on our behalf. And then the consideration of our own hearts and lives that would never merit God's favor. The Bible tells us that our righteousness is like dirty garments before a righteous God. Even on our best day, it's still polluted. It's still not right. And so with these thoughts, it should lead us to possess broken and contrite hearts. I think that last song was, was like divinely placed right there. And, and I love that. I know Ray and I, we talk about this, how it is that, you know, we, we know where we're going. But it's funny how the Lord arranges these songs, the, the order of these songs. And I think just that last song was so fitting to go right into what we have before us this morning. Because really, broken and contrite hearts... Those are the ones that God doesn't despise. He doesn't turn away from him. From. In fact, those are the hearts that move closer toward him, realizing their need for him. Those are the hearts that are humble before him, not filled with pride, not stubbornness, just a brokenness. Understanding that we are damaged and remain hopeless without God's grace. And at the same time, we are remorseful and acutely aware of our sin and the grace that God demonstrated and demonstrates still today for the sake of covering our sin in Christ. It's ongoing. It's not just that one given moment. It's for now and all eternity. This is why every time we come to partake of communion and we consider the bread and the juice... And how it represents the broken body of Christ on the cross, beaten and bruised 
and the shedding of His blood on our behalf, even when we didn't deserve it. We need to consider that it is God's grace that was demonstrated and the reason why we can enjoy being forgiven of our sins today and forever and having the hope, the certain hope of heaven when we place our trust in Jesus Christ, our very lives, giving them completely over to Him. So the Lord's Supper... Again, in verse 26, it says, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my blood. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Now, according to John chapter 13, verses 1 through 11, Jesus girded himself with a towel, walked around to each disciple, with a wash basin, and, and he washed the feet of his disciples. It was after this that Judas left to go meet those that he would betray Jesus to. And this, the details of that, by the way, if you, if you want to go back and study it and read it through, it covers four chapters. John chapter 13 through chapter 17. And you see the, the, the details of everything that took place on that evening and in that dinner. But we're concentrating, we're focusing on what Matthew focused on this morning. If any of you have been to a Seder dinner, you know that this dinner is full of symbolic meaning. And all look forward to the Lamb of God and the salvation we would come to know in and through Him. What we, we have been delivered from. The days of being in bondage to sin and having been delivered from in Christ. During this Passover dinner, the person who was heading up the dinner would hold up the bread and say, This is the bread of affliction which, which our fathers ate in the land of Egypt. Let everyone who hungers come and eat. Let everyone who is needy come and eat the Passover meal. There is a point during the dinner in which bitter herbs are eaten, which is a remembrance of the bitterness of slavery in Egypt. There is the dipping of the herbs in salt water. Some of you that have been to a Seder dinner are picturing this right now. You know, as you're dipping the herbs in, in the, the salt water, and the taste of it as you ate the bitter herbs in the salt water, which is a remembrance of the tears shed under Egyptian oppression, and many more portions of the dinner that were and are symbolic even today. Uh, We have celebrated and we have uh, partaken of the Seder dinner uh, with a Messianic uh, Jewish congregation here in town, uh, Beth Simka, and uh, it's been wonderful, and I hope to do it sometime in the near future again. That, w- that would be nice to do it again. But you're thinking, if you're taking part in a Seder dinner, you're thinking about all those things. But what's the main course? The main course is the lamb. The lamb did not symbolize the remembrance of oppression or agony. That wasn't... There. The main course is the Lamb, but it's, it's not for remembering what they were delivered from, but 
what it was that they were delivered through. The deliverance, freedom, and hope as it represented the shed blood of the Lamb placed over the doorpost of every Jewish home, of every Israelite, by which the judgment of God would pass over and spare the lives of the people within that home. There had to be a sacrificial lamb. There had to be the shedding of blood. There had to be the covering of blood over the home that was passed over by the judgment that would come to those who did not have that covering. Had they not done that, they too would have known the death of their firstborn. The angel of death would not have passed over, but would have visited them as well. What we need to pay attention to here is that Jesus did not give the traditional or expected explanation of the bread and cup. This is what we have before us. This is what we need to consider. That's what I'm drawing your attention to. He didn't give the expected explanation, the traditional words of a Passover dinner. Just as he had previously and on many occasions corrected and taught the true meaning of God's word. You remember that to the Pharisees, Sadducees, the scribes, the lawyers that were sent. He was giving them the true meaning of everything that they were trying to test him with. Oh, you have said, you have heard it said, but I say. And he was giving the true meaning of everything. Divorce, everything. Everything he was given the true meaning of. He had corrected and taught the true meaning of God's word. With this, Jesus gave them the true meaning of what they had been observing throughout all of these years. The very moment they had been looking forward to was at hand, was right before them. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Can you imagine being in that room and then thinking about it afterward, after He was crucified, raised from the grave, and appeared to them over the course of 40 days? No doubt they were thinking about this very moment when the Lamb of God stood before them, washed their feet, spoke to them all of these words, and they shared the Last Supper... Uh, the Passover dinner with him. Oh, what joy, what hope, what expectation. As they, after that, with the church, would commemorate this just as we are. Thinking, oh, <laughs> he's more alive today than ever before. His words are true. We saw him. We heard Him. We felt Him. Our living God. The focus on this particular night was not the suffering of Israel and Egypt, but its deliverance. And even more, fully explained and realized, was in this moment the pre-crucifixion sacrifice and its meaning by Jesus Christ. The the very words of the sacrifice were coming from the sacrifice. There is no doubt that Jesus' disciples were thinking about the uniqueness of this Passover dinner. You have to. I would think, here are these men who, who knew the traditions, and they were hearing Jesus roll it out in such a different way. In fact, it's and I know we read it, that he partook of the third cup. There's four cups on the Passover dinner, and he refused to take the fourth. 
We'll see in Revelation chapter 19 how it is that we have this feast, the feast of the Lamb that we'll partake of, by which we'll enjoy one day with our Lord in the Father's kingdom. Verse 26, once more, says, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. As we today partake of the bread, we are considering the punishment that Jesus received on our behalf. We need to consider that. We need to understand. We need to remember that. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5 says, Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace and with His wounds, we are healed. Um, it'd be like watching someone take the punishment that you deserve fully. And doing so, that person doing so willingly, if you could just... Take a moment and just think about that. What do we deserve? Eternal condemnation. And yet this is what our Lord did. And He took a cup and when He had given thanks, He gave it to them saying, Drink of it, all of you. For this is My blood of the covenant which is poured out for many, for the forgiveness of sins. And I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Jesus pro- proclaimed a new covenant, and it was the shedding of blood that ratified that covenant, that sealed it. The shedding of His blood. The blood of Jesus Christ would ratify this new covenant. And the cup symbolized and symbolizes today Jesus' shed blood. Uh, This new covenant that was prophesied by Jeremiah in Jeremiah 31, verses I believe 31 through 34. And how God said that He would put His word in our minds and write it on our hearts. It was with this new covenant that God would forgive our sins He said, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. A man who was once condemned to death and then pardoned by the sacrifice of another is forever indebted to the one who spared his life and in fact gave him life. A free life, forgiven of all. I think it's only someone who truly knew that they were condemned and are now made free, that lives with a truly thankful heart toward the Lord. It's like being behind bars and knowing that you have a life sentence and you are on death row. You, You are going to be put to death. And all of a sudden, having someone open up your cell door, having despaired before, 
invite someone, open up your cell door. You knowing that you've been guilty, you're guilty, and opening up the door and showing you the way out, telling you you're a free man. You owe nothing. It's been finished. It's been paid in full. I don't want to miss also these two statements that Jesus made and are the source of much theological controversy. This is my body. This is my blood. Two statements that have been the source of so much theological controversy. Transubstantiation is the doctrine that the bread and juice or the wine literally turn into the body and blood of Jesus Christ. I don't know if you've heard of consubstantiation. And this is the doctrine that Jesus is really present in, with, and under the elements. Roman Catholics hold to the doctrine of transubstantiation. Lutherans hold to the doctrine of consubstantiation. Uh, one is not far from the other, by the way. They're, they're very similar. It is symbolic, but then again... More than just symbolic. When Jesus said, this is my body and this is my blood, Jesus was alive and had not gone to the cross yet. These are things to think about, right? You know, he held the bread up. He gave thanks. Blessed it. Broke it. Distributed it to his disciples. And in the same manner, he held up the cup, right? This is my blood. This is my bread. Uh, Consider these statements also that Jesus made. He also said, I am the vine. Right? He also said, I am the door. And we understand what he was saying then. Why is it that we lose that understanding here? Right? When he said these things, was it in a literal sense? I am the door? I am the vine, I am the bread, I am the cup. These elements are more than just symbolic in that they are the very elements that remind us of the new covenant of grace secured by the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes we just look at them, they're just symbolic, you know, it's just, just, No, it's not just. It is. This is what we should be coming to with a genuine and sincere heart, partaking of the elements in such a way that we are honoring the very commandment that the Lord gave us to observe, being reminded of His sacrifice. Sometimes I I think the church sometimes does, the evangelical church comes flippantly. We shouldn't do that. 
We should consider these things. That's why we have devotions prior to communion, so that that gives us this time to kind of just reset, focus on, and understand what we're partaking of. In a couple months, we'll be celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ with Christmas. But by the way, Jesus did not call us as his disciples to celebrate and remember his, his birth. As important as it is, his virgin birth. That is not what, this is not uh, what we are to remember on a regular basis. As often as you can, remember my death. Remember my death. Why? Because it was through his death that he is our redeemer. A redeemer. Hebrews 9.22 says, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins or remission of sins. Of the bread, after Jesus blessed it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. In a like manner, he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. These three words, take, eat, drink, words that speak, speak of a voluntary action. No one can make you do it. One that commemorates the very act of love that God demonstrated to us by His grace to serve as the satisfaction of payment for our sins. And so He offers it to all mankind. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, and whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Whosoever. So just this, in the same manner, he offers, we must receive willfully in order for that to truly mean something to the Lord. Not, not by compulsion, but by a willful decision to just simply receive. No one can do this for you. The Lord offers, but you must take. There is the sacrifice of God, but you must humbly confess your sin, which was the reason Jesus went to the cross and be thankful for the forgiveness of your sin and now have the hope of heaven. Verse 29, once more, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. In verse 29, there's the anticipation of both Jesus' departure and His return. He has both of them in that one verse, because He warns His disciples that He will not again be drinking of the cup in communion with them until the Messianic banquet found in Revelation chapter 19. So we're going to spend some time um, this morning coming before the Lord, considering the things that you have heard this morning in regards to uh, the Passover that Jesus participated in with His disciples, how it was that He explained it to them in looking back, understanding exactly what He was talking about, now looking forward to the great hope that lies ahead in Jesus Christ. So number one, consider your own sin. And confess it to God and ask Him for forgiveness and come to the table with thanksgiving and hope. 
Secondly, consider the broken body of Christ by whose stripes we are healed and come to the table with thanksgiving and hope. Consider the sacred blood of Christ shed on your behalf on Calvary and by which we have been deemed forgiven of all of our sins by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and come to the table with thanksgiving and hope. I want to um, turn to Revelation 19 because this is what Jesus was thinking of when he was saying that He would not drink again of the fruit of the vine, this fruit of the vine, until that day when he drinks it new with his people in the Father's kingdom. So Revelation chapter 19. Beginning in verse 6. It says, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out. Hallelujah. For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What a wonderful moment that will be for all those that have completely surrendered their lives their hearts themselves to the lord ask them for forgiveness and call on jesus christ as not only savior but lord this is your day and as we partake of communion let that be before you as we do understand that this represents the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Consider your sins from which you were delivered from by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And it's with that that you come to, the commun- to communion and celebrate this fellowship with the Lord with complete confidence and great joy. So I pray it's with that perspective, that attitude, that heart that we come this morning and and partake of these elements. We're going to take a moment right now as the worship team comes up and just spend time in prayer. I'm going to lead a little bit in that prayer in different areas of our lives that perhaps we need to consider. And then just a quiet time as the worship team begins to play of you spending time with the Lord and then coming up and partaking of the elements. All right, so let's have the worship team come up.
Heavenly Father, we we come to you this morning, Lord, as we have just gone over these verses, Father, uh, considering how it was that the observation of the Passover was all meant to be fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Lord, we do want to come to the table with sincere hearts, being genuinely repentive of any sins that that we have committed, Lord, that those things that um, that create a barrier between you and you and us. Lord, whether it be in the relationship between husband and wife. Lord, whether it be arguments or not seeing eye to eye with certain on certain things or Lord the children work decisions. Lord there are so many things that can we can allow to go wrong in our marriages. And yet, your word tells us that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world, that you will never leave us, never forsake us, Lord. That if we lack wisdom, that we are to seek it and ask of you without doubting, and you will give us, you will give us all that we need and without reproach. Lord, I pray that you would forgive us of our sins that we have committed against our spouse before you. I pray, Lord, that if we have any ought with a brother and sister in Christ or a friend, co-worker, or anyone else, Lord, that right now, Lord, we confess that to you and ask for your forgiveness and help us to come, Lord, just with, with hearts that are, that are right. Considering, Lord, that you tell us in your word that if we, if we forgive, you, are, you will forgive us. But if we do not forgive, then you won't forgive us. And Lord, and that's simply because we remain in our sin, in disobedience of following out the commandment to forgive others, Lord. Who are we to not forgive when you have forgiven us of everything, Lord? And so I ask, Father, that you would bring that to our remembrance, Lord. And, and Lord, we confess that to you. Heavenly Father, if there's the sin of being complacent, of compromising in any way, shape, or form, Father, forgive us. Help us to be zealous for you, to your glory, to bless you. Lord, 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Father, if there's any area in our lives that is not open to you and that we are not living in that area for you father i pray that you would uh, ask that you would forgive us father that you would help us lord to not compartmentalize our lives but that you would give us just the power by your spirit to live every aspect of our lives in glory to you whether at home or out, 
and about in our jobs, Lord, that we would be consistent, not hypocritical, but consistent in our love and joy and our desire to bring glory to you. Lord, may we consider our sin before you a righteous and holy God. And may we also consider right now the fact that you have forgiven us of all of our sins through the the grace that was demonstrated through Jesus Christ on the cross. And by faith in Jesus Christ, we have eternal life in him. Lord, we have been delivered. We now know forgiveness. Let us come to the table with joy in our hearts and hope of heaven with you. In Jesus' name we pray.